Good evening. The title of the Dharma talk this evening is, uh, what is it? Our Relationship Problem. Yeah, Our Relationship Problem. I had a whole lot of alternate titles, but they caused people to wrinkle their noses when I said them. So, so this one is a pretty appropriate one, Our Relationship Problem. Everybody can relate to that in kind of a generic way. Relationships. I, I want to talk a little bit uh, about this, but I also am very interested in questions. So uh, let's do this together. It's a relationship. I'm over here. I'm endeavoring to uh, uh, talk to you or respond to questions about relationship. And, and there's lots of different levels to that. We can't hardly avoid it. Even if you go to a mountaintop, you're in relationship with your own mind. So I don't have anything particularly planned out. This, this uh, title was suggested to me uh, a little earlier on in, in the day, and I agreed to do it, not really thinking about, I don't really know anything about relationships, but I figured you could help me. So one of the ways that uh, the Vidyadar Trungpa Rinpoche uh, talked about this, among many, many ways, was one is to say the best relationship is no relationship, which I mentioned earlier today at the six o'clock meditation, open heart. And there's lots of things that could be said about that. But he also talked quite a bit about relationships. One of the ways that, that he talked about relationships is in terms of mandala or the circle, a sacred circle, uh, the outer mandala, which is a world, the inner mandala, which is you in the grocery store or your immediate family, uh, taking a bath, eating food and so on. And the inner mandala, which of course you probably already knew there was a secret mandala, uh, more, I think that's the way, uh, secret mandala, inner mandala is your own personal circle of whatever and uh, the world as we see it through whatever, Facebook for that matter, or school, our town. And it seems that we're always uh, together in the relationship. It's tight, it's, uh, it's becoming, it's magnetic. We like it, we're enjoying it. We're getting something from it or it's kind of neutral. We don't really care. We sometimes we're in a relationship with someone that we, we're just kind of not too interested in it, maybe anymore. Uh, of course, the, the three poisons, passion, aggression, and ignorance will show up in this area as in anything else. And uh, the idea here is to, um, the way I see this is to work with the, the secret mandala, which is your own mind stream. This is why I emphasize so much, sit down, hold still, and watch that. Sit down, hold still, and observe the grasping the rejecting and the shutting down. Don't fiddle with it. Don't try to necessarily get yourself to stop doing this or start doing that. Maybe a little bit, but not much. Mainly it is about observing what's happening so that you can see more deeply that that is what dependently arisen. This is where you, excuse me, this is where you're going to find out if you're going to find out about the nature of uh, Pratija Samapada or dependent origination by looking at that incredible illusion that we call otherness and the tension that happens in whether it's in a marriage or it's a, um, a mother child or a mother and three children two of which are really easy to work relate to or work with and the other situation is very difficult or challenging or or uh, frustrating however we have it it's a uh, we have a, all have our own various stories about 
how that works. And I'm sure you've noticed that even though you, you know what it is, you could describe it. You could it would be a, something fairly positive, something else fairly negative or neutral or, and all the nuance. And all, not only that, all the cyclic movement of that where things get better and then they get worse. That's the nature of a cycle is to go this way and then go that way, go this way and go that way. It's either a circle or a sine wave or whatever you want to call it. Phases of the moon. And we are entrained by, captivated by, uh, contained by all of these cycles, either the cycles in the world, the cycles in our neighborhood or our house, household, our living room, our dining room, uh, the carport, and in our own mind stream. So somewhat difficult and challenging to try to go into any one of those areas and try to uh, deconstruct it in such a way that we can say, oh, aha, now I... Now I'm understanding that. Although psychologists, therapists, and so on, down through the years since all of that started, including philosophers, not to mention all the uh, spiritual teachers in, in any lineage, have tried to help people, tried to understand the, the difficulty, the challenges in those areas. And if you try to work with it on the surface of it, trying to jiggle it around and get some kind of agreement to happen, uh, difficult. Uh, because sometimes the agreement is based on a misunderstanding rather than a deep uh, awareness of what the fundamental situation is. As in Buddhism, as a spiritual path, we have the opportunity and we are encouraged to look very, very deeply into what this body-mind complex actually is and not to, not to shun or discredit the, the apparent person that's here with a particular name, a particular uh, family or upbringing or education or thought patterns or confusion or uh, habits. And we could go on and on and on uh, about that. It's not about uh, entering that, entering into that and trying to manipulate things to get things to work better, be better. Although people do that. Tony Robbins has made millions doing that, or at least I'm not against that <clears throat> particularly. Some people that is, as I've said before, some people that's the only way they can, the only way they can work with it is to work with it in that way. Just like some people, all they can really do is a, as far as a spiritual path is a theistic spiritual path where there's a higher being that they supplicate. Uh, a non-theistic tradition has aspects of it that seem like that, but it's fundamentally not separate. But it may seem that way. A teacher-student situation is a relationship that is, uh, are quite a bit different than uh, the conventional thing that happens in high school or in university where someone teaches you something. So most of us have difficulty in the area of uh, relationship, like as I was saying, a mother and a son or a father and a, and a son or a daughter, some kind of conflict happening there. And the causes uh, behind that, behind that particular event or situation or conflict or difficulty or, or cooperation or harmony, for that matter, are, are dependently arisen, and you won't be able to see them. You won't be able to actually trace them down and say, oh, yeah, way back here, we can do this. Although some of that has been done, um, we've actually worked with that situation somewhat in the monastery, what we call deep consciousness, going in and see if we can find, track down some aspect of the consciousness that is presenting itself in this situation here as being a difficult, being challenging. I'm not here to convince you of anything. 
I might be more about saying, don't believe anything. Don't believe what I say. Don't believe anything, but whatever's showing up so you can see what it is, just receive it rather than believe something ahead of time. Well, Sokazan's saying it, so it must be good. Or Sokazan saying it, so that can't be worth anything. And on and on, the way we elaborate on just about everything that's happening, we protect ourselves from what is about to occur by what we think is going to happen. Very difficult to just sit and listen to someone or watch something begin to show up or occur in our live stream at our kitchen table uh, in our what we call our intimate relationships without some kind of idea or opinion or something about that that we need to fix or correct or move or criticize. So the fundamental issue there is, I would say it this way, and uh, uh, Trungpa Rinpoche would say it completely differently than what I'm saying. But I would say it's the fundamental uh, is uh, issue as I understand it, as I see it, as I'm looking at it right now, is mistaken identity. And the mistaken part of the identity uh, is that you, me, we think we're a solid separate being, somebody who can be chased down by one thing, or we can turn around and chase something else or pursue something or get something or acquire something or train our minds to, uh, to be, to accomplish, to play the violin or, and of course, all that relativity is extremely seductive in helping us to deepen that mistaken identity into thinking we're somebody because we're doing this. You're not doing it. I'm doing it. So therefore I must be somebody who's doing this. I'm successful at it. I'm not so successful. I need to get more help. I don't have to go into this. We're all doing this all the time. Well, this is, this is why it seems to be so important to find, see if you can see that, whom that person or identity uh, in relationship to an apparent other. And, and those, the apparent identity and the apparent other are really believable. They're really solid. It's very, uh, a powerful you know, situation that you can't just go in and try to stop that or get rid of that or push away that otherness. Or you have to, as I say it, as I understand it, you have to actually see that it's dependently arisen, that whatever shows up as something is, is, is caused by everything else. If you wanted to go into the, the part of particularities of it, the granular aspect of it extremely complicated just as one person may have a great ability to get along with people might be very talented very intelligent also is not particularly put upon by negative emotions actually they might even wonder why people are having so much trouble with stuff because everything's going fine for them they get up every morning they have whatever they call it the power of positive thinking or maybe some other uh, a protocol or device or uh, activity or exercise that helps them to just be somebody. Sometimes in the in the in the Buddha Dharma in the various realms, this is called the God realm. Somebody who's made it doesn't have any doesn't see why. Uh, if they even hear about the Buddhist Dharma, they'll think, "Well, what's that, what's that about? Life is not suffering. Life is great." I mean, look at my golf handicap. Life is great. I'm doing well. I'm healthy. All my children are healthy. My my husband, my wife, my everything is just so great, going well. Other people are not born into that kind of a situation, but are born into a dynamic where there's an extreme 
poverty, extreme suffering uh, into a country, into a culture where that is being controlled by, you could say, a dictator or someone like that. It's been going on for centuries, centuries and centuries. Can't even count back that far. Some kind of control situation. Not that there haven't been societies that were relatively peaceful and for maybe a few hundred years that went fairly well. I think, I think the, the Europeans came over here and destroyed a whole bunch of those indigenous people that we basically stole the land from. I'm not here to go into the political parts of it. There's just tons of it there. And you can look into that. What I would like to do is respond to questions about individual relationship dynamics between you and someone else, especially you and a Sangha member or you and another person who is studying uh, the Dharma, especially if it's if both of you are students of mine, that would be good to ask about that. And uh, you can't, you might be able to ask questions I can't answer, but you won't ask a question I can't respond to in some way, even if it's only say, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that is. So we can go any direction in this, but let's go to some questions first. Bunyo? No, yes, no. She's got some doozies. I just forgot them. She's got a bad memory. Shogavang. Yes. When we kind of initiate contact with somebody, either verbally or um, through our senses, how can we begin to look at that through an awareness practice? Say a little, I follow you, but say a little bit more. I mean, you're, you're a fully ordained monk. You've done lots of sitting meditation, lots of solitary retreats. You've done a lot of sitting. So give me a, correct, uh, a question out of that. Shogabang, how can we see the fundamental misunderstanding? So when, the, when, you're, when you sit and whatever arises, don't interpret, don't add, don't elaborate, do nothing with it. Let it. Whatever shows up in the mind stream, no matter how threatening or how irritating or how confusing or how put upon you are by whatever rises, do nothing with it. And if you do push on it, then just be aware that you're pushing it. If you do pull on it or explain it or define it or blame someone, just be aware that you're doing that. So it's always about awareness of what is moving in the mind stream. And this, this, uh, uh, this is true of all of these uh, the outer... Uh, the secret secret mandala, the inner mandala, and the outer mandala of the whole world. More, please. Let's go get it. Shokabang, it seems like there are um, situations or, or times where I just have um, negativity that's not associated with anybody. But if I interact with somebody, that negativity kind of goes and seeps into that interaction. Just, okay, good, excellent question. So just be aware of the seepage. Uh, don't necessarily turn your the mind that is aware of this into some kind of a uh, construction worker, some kind of an excavator, some guy, person that's going to go in and redo that so you don't have that experience. Anything that is arising in the mind stream, I don't care how positive, negative, or neutral, I'm going to say this in a very blunt way, which doesn't reinforce an ego necessarily, but you got it coming. This whole body-mind complex has dependently arisen. 
at this point and probably never, but we aren't going to be able to trace that back in a way that does anything more than show us how completely vast that whole situation is. Just because I'm here, you're there, you can ask a question, I can respond to that. And this looks like you're singularity, I'm singular, very, very temporary. And so insofar as you can, and I know you already know about this uh, and everyone does to some extent, please, please just receive, add nothing unless the karma that is showing up as your particular, excuse me, mind stream is just spontaneously adding. And then that is your opportunity. If you have a strong awareness practice is an opportunity to just watch that, but it can be very threatening. It can be very tantalizing to feel like, I think I can stop that. Or I think I can, I can find out why that's happening. And sometimes if you, if you, if you look for why it's happening, instead of seeing dependent origination, which is why it's happening, which means basically what nothing's happening. But if we go into the partiality of it, this is called relative truth. And then we start to blame others or perhaps blame ourselves, uh, the passion, the aggression, or to completely shut down, uh, the whole situation through some version of what's called distraction or fixation on something or ignorance. So we don't have to look directly into that threat or that discomfort more. Shoka. Shoka Bowing, sometimes the, the threat feels kind of volatile or unpredictable. And when there's that kind of intensity or volatility to it, how can I cave to the, how can I cave to that? Did you cave? Did you say cave? Yes. Um, there might be a quality, or I might use that, but it's, uh, it's not about caving or relenting. It's just seeing what is there. Because if you start caving or relenting too much, then that builds up a, a caver or a relenter. The, the ego will feed on anything to get some, some kind of sh scrap of identity to keep uh, pr promoting its uh, uh, screenplay or its pretense of being somebody doing something. This is why I, the way I teach is that this is and encourage people to just be very radical about it. Just look at what's, what moves. It's not going to be very fulfilling. It's more than likely to become quite boring. Downside of boredom is who likes boredom? Nobody. But the upside of boredom is that's how it feels to give up your addiction, your fixation, your wish, your grasping at some kind of entertainment, some kind of feeling that, and that entertainment can just be, I think I'm getting somewhere. I'm feeling pretty good today. I must be doing something right. The constant trap of relativity, of cause and effect is there, but it's not just cause and effect. It's, it's the complete um, mandala of that, the complete display of cause and effect that doesn't have any, uh, there's no one in charge there. There's no authority, particularly. More Shoka? Not at the moment, thank you. Further questions? Shoto. Shoto Bowing. Can the ego get a credential um, out of doing less? Yes, the ego can get a credential out of anything. 
So it's not so much about not getting a credential and not getting any more credentials, although that has something to do with it, but it's about, about seeing, about being aware that there's some kind of credential orientation. Uh, there's no, if you realize what this is, if you really realize that one of the ways you'll know is you don't have any credentials. You don't know who you are. You know who you are relatively, but everybody kind of knows that. But you don't know who you are fundamentally. In other words, you don't think of yourself as somebody with an axe to grind or somebody with a, who has this kind of education or somebody that's looking down on that person because well, we know we're doing better than they are. If you correct anyone, even if you're relatively right, you look at somebody doing something wrong. You know how that's worked with in here. If you're teaching someone to do these forms, the basic teaching is don't correct anybody. Don't correct. And kind of hard not to do something that shows up that way, to actually talk to somebody about a form that they're doing where um, well, we've talked about that before. You might want to ask, how did you learn the form? Rather than immediately correct them interact with them around that a little bit so that you're turn it on to besides receiving that they're doing the form incorrectly, turn it around or reinvigorate that by having them com completely or continue to come towards you with whatever that's about. So you can see it more clearly. Yeah. Further questions? Sano Barn. Go ahead, Sano. A month ago, my partner vanished in the middle of the night because over COVID and beforehand, I have become uh, more mean and weaponizing my intellect, who is surprised. And I've been doing a whole lot of correcting. Partner will no longer talk to me because too much stress and pressure and partner choicelessly had to go. So I have been wondering, do I give them the space that they request, which could have permanent consequences if they don't see the development happening? Or do I try and show them the development, which seems pushy, Sanho Bowen? So if you ask me a question, and you're a student of mine already, and you're giving me permission, I say, don't do anything. Don't do anything. I'm saying, if, when I say that, and if you go with that, what starts to show up in your mind stream is going to be not not be so easy probably if you're meant to be with this uh, this person there's no way you can stop it uh, there's just no way you can stop it but you can certainly um, make it more difficult or challenging or possibly postpone the situation and make it more what gnarly by trying to manipulate it or trying to trying to figure out some way to explain your thing or apologize uh, apologies are uh I could give a whole talk on, I could give three, I could give a weekend, some, I could give a month long retreat on apologies. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be talking. About that. This is not about that. So I apologize. Sano, I know you can't see me waving at you, but I'm asking you to keep coming. Were there? Sano bowing. Yes, sir. Forgive me. There is extraordinary pain every day, all day. How do you work with that? I, I don't know of anything uh, that would be uh, any more genuine to say to you than just receive it. Just receive it. But don't add to it by 
mixing it up and and uh, uh, and trying to rewire everything and try to correct everything. Just receive it in its raw uh, basic state as it shows up. It will not be easy, but you can, uh, you know, you've received a uh, Jukai and you're, I think you're going to be a monk at some point. So I'm saying start now. Life is, the Buddha said, life is suffering. Nerve endings are get abraded. We're, we're human beings. So we're experiencing what we call pain, what we call pleasure, what we call boredom and all of those things. You'll be okay, but you, and not rather than, but, and you will be okay uh, because nothing lasts. Even the most terrible, horrible suffering of losing someone either to uh, the impermanence of, uh, of death or the impermanence of relationship cracking and coming apart. And when I say it needs to do that, I'm not saying it, it couldn't, something couldn't have, have been done that would have brought that in a different, different direction or not, or caused it to not show up in that way. But, but there's no way to go backwards in that. And you were saying like you were having a hard time uh, or giving that person a hard time. It sounds like, and <clears throat> I, I, you don't even have to go to yourself and blame yourself. It's, it's dependently arisen. I'm sorry you're having a hard time about that. I have some understanding of that, and as everyone does in different ways. But it's just it's just part of the of the of the whole the situation is part of a relationship. A relationship uh, is a, rel a very relative word about a situation where we appear to be different, uh, separate beings, and so we we function out of how we think thing how we think things are or how we feel things are and how we perceive this. But eventually that perception can be more vast and profound. It's not gonna save you from a bee sting. It's not gonna save you from uh, some kind of heartbreak that might show up. So just do the best you can, but I would say don't, don't less is better in this situation. And I, I, if I understand correctly, you're saying, well, if I don't do something, maybe he never will come back. What was his name? Joey. Jo Joey, yeah. Yeah. If there, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't turn around and uh, turn, turn into a, some kind of a pessimist about the whole thing. But you could... Uh, release your grip on the situation so it so it has some room to breathe i don't mean to try to get romantic about a particular but you know if it's if it's there it will it will come back if the original inspiration to even be together in the first place it'll come back but there's less chance of it'll come back if you if you go in and try to find the the gears and the the buttons and the levers uh, and I'm, that may say and i don't know this but i'm going to offer that that might be why he left. Because as I remember, and you should take this on the chin, young man, you're kind kind of a you're quite a controlling person. Right? Correct. Yeah. You don't have to stop doing that. Just see how it works. Just watch it. Just observe it. Don't improve. Improvement is uh it just buys into 
that aspect of dependent origination that is blind instead of that aspect of dependent origination that sees the truth. You can do it. Shogabang. Yes, sir. When talking about uh, intimate or romantic relationships. Yes. If we see that they are dependently arisen, does that... Um, can relationships still show up as uh, difficult? More so. More so. I mean, more difficult because you're no longer covering everything, anything up, blocking anything out. So they can become extremely difficult. But you also, if you see dependent origination all the way through, so there isn't anything left to see, then uh, there isn't anyone that you're not in a relationship with. And, and to put it more bluntly, there isn't anyone that you don't love. But it's not an emotional kind of attachment love. It's an more like appreciating everything for what it is. No longer interfering with anyone, including your own mind stream. If, you're, if you are liberated, you don't care what goes through your mind because there isn't anyone there anyway. There never was a solid being there. Practice, find out who you are. So there's no doubt, don't get your identity from me just because I gave you the name Shoki Doki. Sent you. Sent you, Bowling. When we look to our relationships, um, whether it's with another person or a system or a thing, when we look to our relationships for a sense of identity or security, um, is there anything to do with that? Sounds like you're doing it. Just, just notice that when you're doing it, notice that there's some kind of intention, maybe some kind of motivation around that. It might not be an exact why you're doing it, but some kind of intention to, to operate in a relationship dynamic with you, your husband or your, your sangha, your, your dharma teacher, your, um, your clients, uh, being a therapist, working with your clients. Just notice the intention. No correction. Don't correct it. Don't move it about. Don't, don't fluff it up, don't tamp it down, do nothing. And when you do that, you'll notice that because you're actually just looking at it, you'll actually notice that you do keep going in and pushing that up or pushing it aside. But if you don't go in and try to deliberately do anything, but your intention is to just observe that, just to see that, then you'll see if there are some aspects of it where you have an agenda about it, which you may not see otherwise, because you may be concluding that, what an open mind you have. Go ahead. If you think you have an open mind, you don't. Go ahead. For any, any further questions here in the, go ahead, Shoto. Shoto Bowling. When Trump Rinpoche talked about no relationship, was he suggesting that we have less relationships? Well, I don't know exactly what, what he was suggesting. I don't know if, if you were to ask him, he might even say, did I say that? He was still here. Uh, the way it showed up for me, and it was a very important teaching to me uh, when I first heard that many years ago, was to point out to the best, saying the best relationships, no relationship. It's just less emphasis on trying to do something with the relationship and work more with what this is. 
the so-called relationship person who's concerned about and blaming this or blaming that or or thinking we really need to be with that person or we don't like that person anymore. And so those relationships are very, very um, difficult because you're not only relating with your own uh, karmic uh, dispensation, but everyone else's too. And you're trying to get with that, leave that person, get away from that person, correct this person. If it's anybody from your mom or your dad or your brother, sister, or friends, girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, and all of that, uh, he's just, my understanding is that, uh, you know, less is better. So best relationship is no relationship. It'd be pretty hard to uh, function in that way without some quality of relationship happening. Some kind of otherness is going on until, until there isn't anything else. Then there's both a relationship and no relationship. It's called not to or non-duality. Yes. Trevor Bowling. So yes. If there's still that appearance of other, is there, is it not worthwhile to try to relate as no relationship? Well, when you get too fancy. I follow what you're saying, but just, just see it as it is. If it looks real, don't don't push it away. Just notice that it's it has a strong stage presence of, you know, like I've sometimes said uh, about watching a, a movie that is really convincing. You're you're there. You don't even realize you're in the in the seat. You don't even realize you're eating popcorn because it's that magnetizing. Our life is like that. More? And any uh, questions out there in uh, Zoom land? Carl has a question. Go ahead, Carl. Can we be fully committed to this path and also to a relationship with someone who isn't particularly interested in the path? Of course. Of course you can. And everybody doesn't have to join your club. It's not a club. I mean, it's something that you're doing and uh, to, in order to clarify your life and see uh, whatever time you have uh, in this particular form, this human form, to fundamentally see what is fundamentally true and see how can you, how can you fundamentally be of help to others without interfering with what they need to see or do. They may not even realize you're, you're helpful to them. You may not realize that you're being helpful or you are fulfilling the bodhisattva vow to be with all things, save all beings, put others before yourself. More, Shoka? Shoka Bhang, he hasn't written anything, but I have a question. Go ahead. Uh, when two people are observing vows in, uh, in an intimate relationship, yes. what is their responsibility to each other or how can they fundamentally help each other? So you have... <clears throat> Uh, two people are, uh, if they uh, have the same teacher, uh, then the relationship is, uh, the, is, is to each other, of course, as Dharma brothers, sister, Dharma brothers, Dharma sisters, or whatever like that, plus the relationship is there. So um, I'm not sure how, you're, uh, how, how you want, uh, what, what kind of response you're looking for, or what the nature of the question is. But uh, you're, if you're a monk, then your primary relationship to other is to the teacher. And not because I need some kind of obeisance from someone or you need to put me before uh, your friends, but some kind of strong connection with the teacher. Otherwise, why, why even do it? 
especially if you if you're dedicating your whole life to being a monastic or or being a, a bodhisattva, training your mind to be uh, put others before yourself. So it's it, it would vary, and there if you're just with your particular friend, and there's a dynamic going on, and that's the one that that person that you're looking at, that sangha person, uh, is your teacher, and you are that person's teacher. But that doesn't mean you obey them or you do what they say. You just anything that shows up, that's your teacher. When you walk down the street and you see someone walking towards you, walking a dog, and they seem to be preoccupied by their phone or whatever, that's your teacher. It's not that they're somehow teaching you things or giving you some kind of relative information, but you're, you're looking at the, the incredibly profound and intense illusion of otherness, of duality. There are, there is no, there's no, there are no separate beings. The illusion is incredibly, incredibly strong. You notice how we just go in the other room all by ourselves and we read the newspaper, we do the crossword puzzle and we have a little dialogue with ourselves about who we are, what we're doing, how good we're doing, how bad we're doing, how we're doing in our relationship. It's a constant uh, stage play that comes and goes and comes and goes and is very convincing. But that which is observing this is, uh, uh, is not a self. It's, it has no, uh, no ongoing uh, solidity or identity as someone. There's something occurring there because it, we're in the we're in this uh, relative, uh, in this realm of humans. So there's some kind of desire operating there. So when you meet your your uh, partner, uh, whether it's another Sangha member, uh, as we've talked about many times, uh, talked to, to you and other people, the Sangha, if you meet someone who is a, your Sangha brother or sister, you need to pay attention to them rather than see the things they're doing wrong and feel like you need to correct them or change them. Just receive. Just, it's so important to do that. And it's very difficult to do that if, uh, it's more difficult to do that if you're not even in a monastery and you're just living by yourself and you're doing everything on Zoom, but it's, it's better than not doing anything at all. At least we have some kind of a path, some kind of a connection with a community of people or have a spiritual uh, interest in understanding what this fundamentally is, not believing in something, the Sangha and the teaching, everything is dependently arisen. Nothing comes from its own side as an individual self or being or ego. That's an illusion. And everything is impermanent. Nothing, all compounded things will vanish. And uh, this, everything is in a state of distress or limitation or disgust. A few questions from YouTube. Go ahead. The first from Ahmed Kali. The idea of dependent origination denies the world of objects, yet it makes the world of relationships between objects real. How come? Shouldn't dependent origination be dependently arisen? Uh, my friend, with all due respect, you do not understand dependent origination. You understand the concepts. Don't fight with the concepts. Don't fight, if I respond to you, then I'm just another scholar like you are. I'm not interested in scholarship from the point of view of uh, going back into that and try to sort things out for you. 
Uh, you have a good conceptual understanding. You couldn't understand that question. You couldn't even ask it. But find out who you are. Don't settle for some kind of understanding of dependent origination where you've just uh, uh, made a fool of a monk. Not, this, not saying you're trying to do that. But I'm saying set the book aside, sit down, face the wall, find out, find out through your own mind stream what this is. The books are very helpful. They help with uh, that very idea of dependent origination. And your question is a good question, but we need, to, we need to go beyond the concepts into what the concepts are pointing at, which is not a relative dynamic. It is uh, ultimate. It is absolute. And these are relative words that are pointing at something that you can't even see, you can't find, has no, has no, uh, has no time, has no space. There's no center, there's no fringe, there's nothing, nothing, nothing. And even the nothingness is a misunderstanding. That's why this doesn't stop at emptiness, like some teachings uh, propose. Am I right? I don't know. You can take what I say, and if it helps you, go ahead. If you'd like to study under someone else, a scholar or someone who's smarter than I am, go ahead. Now that I've uh, somewhat insulted you, <laughs> please ask me another question. A question from Nena. Who? Nena. Nena. N-E-N-N-A. Oh, Nena. All right. Hello there. Thank you for your time. I would like to know how can we remove negative energy? Uh, well, there are relative ways you can work with that. And there's all kinds of things. I mean, if you put that into YouTube and you'd get just, maybe you've already done that. You just get barraged by it. But I can tell you very simply how I would, uh, since you're giving me, giving me permission by asking me, asking you, do nothing with it. Don't try to remove it. Just observe, receive the negative energy so that you get to understand what it is because you're not separate from what looks like negative energy. And if you try to push on it, you are buying into the illusion of relative truth, thinking you can get rid of the bad stuff and get the good stuff. It's a profound uh, trick or illusion. Unreal. There's no one that needs to get rid of anything. Find out, no, no. Train your mind, sit down, hold still, look at the wall, wall gaze, do a lot of it. Go ahead, Sally. Sally. Sally Bowing. I believe, rely, trust that my own inner voice is my most important relationship, that inner knowing. And um, I would just like to hear your opinion of that, dear Sokazin. Sally Bowing. Well, I, you know, Sally, you might better be better at complimenting or commenting on that. <laughs> I don't have an inner voice. <laughs> So I'm not taking yours away. I would say if that, that's a valid thing to say. A lot of people say, I've listened to my inner voice. I would say, uh, you know, to someone who asked about, I would say, well, trust yourself, do what you think, what you think you should do. If you asked me, what, what should I do? I would say, do I have permission? And you, if you said yes, I'd say, train your mind. How do I do that? I said, see that wall over there? Go over and sit down bring everything into a, a stillness and watch what continues to ramp up because that, that is uh, the very nature of the confusion is what continues to be on the move. And to come back to your question, I would say, sounds good to me. 
Yeah, listen to your inner voice. I see you on here all the time. I'm assuming that you do some sitting meditation. Uh, do you have a teacher? <clears throat> um, no one in particular, though I very much appreciate your yeah. lessons and I participate in Open Heart Project yeah. and work with other people as well. It sounds good to me. Is Susan Piver your teacher? Pardon? Is Susan Piver your teacher? No. <clears throat> Jennifer Miller. Okay, well, you have a teacher. Listen to her. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Further questions? So, Karen Bowing. So, Karen. Does minding your own business apply to your intimate partner who's also a Sangha member? Bowing. Well, I think it's situational, and uh, and so we would just need to see what that is in, in the given situation. Um, I think it's different there because it's someone you're really close to, and it's your intimate partner. So then uh, you're going to have going to be a lot more overlap, a lot more sharing about what's happening there. <laughs> There's so many variables there. If it's somebody you're living with, then uh, it's pretty hard to just mind your own business. Um, you're going to be interacting with them. But if it's somebody that you see once in a while or you talk to once in a while, it might be a little bit different. I think it's very situational. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into some kind of ideal uh, state of mind where I can't make any comment because uh, I'm, you know, I might interfere with what he, she, they need to see or something like that. So from the point of view of, of you or your partner, if you're both uh, students of uh, the Dharma and you both have the same uh, teacher, then uh, anytime you look at your partner, you're looking at your teacher, some aspect of your teacher, because that person has a connection with the teacher also. So it's, it's called Sangha. It doesn't mean that you, it's another way that the teacher manifests. So this is why uh, when Koben Chino Roshi, my Zen master, was asked, to make a comment on what is the nature of the Sangha. He said, it's a garbage pit. He didn't mean that people were evil or people were uh, rotting vegetables or something. It's just saying that, that the Sangha is a community that is trying to work with their, with their mind in a, in, a, with, in a structure, in a container, in, in our situation called a monastery, a meditation hall, or a community where people are trying to understand the nature of their mind and understand the nature of reality, which is coming from beginning of time, all the karma that ramps up and shows up as a 15 or 20 or 600 or a thousand human beings, all with some kind of connection with a particular teacher. So that gives them a feeling of being a Sangha family. Uh, just, it's, he said garbage pit. So with the idea of acknowledging the extreme difficulty of that, but do it anyway. These are people that you probably wouldn't make friends with if it wasn't for the Sangha because they don't, you know, kiss your butt and they don't agree with you and they give you a hard time. And, but yet what a great thing. You've got people who have the same teacher you do and they're listening to, they're magnetized or they have on the same frequency as that particular teacher. And yet they're, they're different. They don't, they don't necessarily uh, as I said, if you met them in the neighborhood or in the, in your some other venue, wouldn't necessarily be friends with them. 
But in this situation, you kind of have to be at least associates of them because they're, especially uh, in our situation, I have, a, have it set up here. So you just about have to meet Cassandra. If you live in the monastery, you're going to meet people that you don't particularly get along with every day. And so what do I say about that? Do it anyway. There's nothing to, there's nothing, not, as, not only is there nothing to lose, there's nothing to gain. We're talking about ego. We're talking about a spiritual path, not a gaining idea where you can have somebody around you that's always, uh, that every time you're around them, instead of, um, uh, that you would always feel good because they're such a supportive, wonderful person. Get that from your conventional cultural friends who love you no matter how crazy they see that you are. Sangha is different. Any of you who have been in the Sangha for a while know that. But going the other way, some of the greatest friends you, you could ever have you would meet in the Sangha if you have the same teacher that they do. But the spiritual friend or the tantric master or the the Henniana uh, uh, mentor, however you want to look at it, uh, is a different kind of friendship than just someone who's, uh, who agrees with you and doesn't give you a hard time. Other questions? Jason Bowing. Yes, Jason, go ahead. So if there's someone in the Sangha that you uh, think seems interesting, is it okay to be like, hey, you seem like an interesting person. I'd like to talk to you more as friends. I think it's probably okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, if, uh, yeah, I mean, you just be respectful. This is a Zoom situation. It's quite a bit different than it was, say, a few years ago when we you wouldn't even meet anybody unless you were in the same room with them. This is much different. So I think sure. it, I think it's fine, uh, but be be aware that somebody may not, you know, you may talk to somebody and they may not have that, all that much interest in you, or they might. They you might meet the, you know, the light of your life or something. You, know. <laughs> you never know. But I, I don't see anything wrong with with reaching out to people if you if you wanted to do that. We've had that happen in different ways, I think, haven't we? Or not. <laughs> I mean, uh, Don, uh, who's just came here, what, six months ago? Four. Huh? Four months. Four months ago. He lives here now, and uh, he's kind of our slave. Now we make him cook food and everything, so he probably is really, really sorry he came. <laughs> but he came here because he saw this, and he connected with this person and connected with the Sangha and started studying uh, together and eventually talked to Chazan and worked out a way where he could come here and live. He wanted to come here and live. So now he lives here and, and he's, um, we won't let him leave. <laughs> yeah, you can, people can go wherever they want. I mean, if you come here, it's a good idea to stay for a while. But so as far as, uh, uh, Jason, as far as reaching out to people, I, I don't see, I don't see any problem with that. Might be a good thing. When you, you didn't have to ask me any questions, you were going to. They just all dissolved. When those questions dissolved, <laughs> buying that. Did it <laughs> <laughs> <Joke> about <him. laughs> Go ahead. 
how is Unyo your teacher? Uh, she's a, she's like a mirror for me. And so are you. My teacher hasn't gone anywhere. He just spread out. All over, all over. There isn't anything. The function as a, the Vidyadara Trungpa Rinpoche once said, the function of the teacher or the guru is to introduce you to, to your world. And uh, you don't realize that when you get introduced to your world that you don't see anything but the teacher, which means that you're a student from then on. You're always a student. Student doesn't, no one gets to be a teacher. This is the teacher. You're the teacher. This is the teacher. Everything is teaching you. And what is it saying? Simply put, everything you see is dependently risen. Nothing is separate from anything else. Nothing is threatened. That's imaginary as we imagine that and we scare each other with Stephen King movies. Don't you? Thank you, Bowing. It's a lot easier to just receive from the teacher than from Sangha. How do I just receive, especially from Shoto, in the midst of constantly trying to control him? Control him? Just, just, it's a good question. It's a, it's a very valid question. Just, I know you're practicing. So practice, uh, uh, sitting practice of meditation, come to book studies, which you do all of that. Talk to me, which you do that. But just notice the way you do that. Just be aware of your wish, your desire to control. Don't try to be someone who doesn't do that. Just notice that, how that arises up. Because it gets energy from being pushed down or controlled or or you're trying to have some kind of an improvement program where you don't do that anymore. More? That's a good question. Does he let you get away with that? <laughs> you have to ask him. Huh? You have to ask him. What do you think about what she's thinking about what you're thinking? Huh? Yeah, go ahead. I have a question. You have a question? I do. Well, I just had a question too, but you didn't answer it. <laughs> Don't pout. Go ahead and ask your question. Sure, yes. uh In that situation, we're both observing vows. Yes. She admittedly is trying to control me. Yeah, admittedly. <laughs> you hear that? You guys hear that? Is this being recorded? I think so. Yeah, go ahead. She admittedly is trying to control you. Yes. Go on. Should I cave into that? Cave into what? Let her, Let her control, control you? Uh, it's situational. It's really situational. So sometimes you might, sometimes you might not. But but you're the one who's maybe defining it that way. And it sounds like uh, she is too. Is she getting that de uh, description from you? Don't control me. And then you, she tends to agree that she's controlling you. So who's coming up with that invention? So insofar as you can, just watch what's moving rather than try to interfere with it and get, get your way and try to. So, and some of that might be just experiencing how you can't really stop that impulse to give him directions or advice or feedback or something. Don't, don't give him a chance to be who he is. At the same time, you're you be you're genuine. Also, you're genuine 
be, uh, you've heard me say this before, and if you don't understand, I'm, I'm happy to spend the whole weekend talking about it. Be the crap you're trying to get rid of. Don't, don't fight with anything. Sometimes if, if you can understand what that is, a very common, kind of a common word that is a common word that could describe that. I'm not saying it does, and I'm not saying you're going to particularly, particularly feel like this is true of you. It's called humility. You're no longer trying to be somebody special, somebody else. You're actually, you're, you're okay with your, your mind going this way and that way and so on. And the sense of a, of a solid self begins to, begins to be seen through because it, it no longer needs this. No longer needs to get rid of that. It no longer needs more of this, less of this. It no longer has a particular agenda. It's uh, sometimes called desirelessness. But it doesn't mean desire is gone. It means the, the one who, the identity that had desires uh, is not gone, but it's, it's more transparent. You see that we that we don't really need anything else, and then appreciation. Not only wisdom begins to arise, but appreciation for everything. In other words, we were able to receive this incredible world that we've been downloaded or dropped into. Anybody else want to team up in relationship and? Ask a question. Wulong bowing. Wulong. So in long-term relationships, um, there's sometimes a tendency to sort of reinforce identities, both independently and as a couple. And um, some observations are made that can be accurate and intuitive as you get, you spend time with each other over the years. How... How do you not fall into the, I know you, how do you stay not knowing? Like, how do you keep that rather than fall into the predictability and all of that, what you think you know about the person? Don't, don't maintain anything. I maintain a Jisha so I can get a refill on my coffee, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> So don't, don't maintain, watch, watch the, the desire for something else. When things start to collapse that you would normally may or, or conventionally go into maintain, just watch that come apart. Watch, watch uh, impermanence. Not easy. It's, it's difficult to do that just out of the intellect, do it intellectually and get some kind of uh, cr a credential or some kind of a um, credit or some kind of, uh, somebody shows up that says you're doing that, it's much more difficult to just watch everything show up and fade, show up and fade. And this is what the sitting practice of meditation, Shikantaza, is about. It's like uh, even the Tibetan word for us uh, in, in uh, Tibetan, a Tibetan word for a meditation seat is a gomden, which, uh, I, I, as I recall, my son was here, he could probably correct me, uh, is a means a get used to it chair. I mean, it's sit down, hold still, boom, met, get used to it. So receive, receive, receive. Well, long bowing. Yes. What is that feeling of uh, 
predictability. Well, it's giving you a, a reference point uh, to to kind of you're kind of leaning on it, like so you you're not really investigating that so much. You're just leaning on that. It's predictable. You know what is going to happen. You know what the, what's happening in the relationship. You know what uh, he's doing, she's doing, or whatever it is. You already know what they're going to do, and so on. Is that is that what the, where the question's coming from? From or did I miss what you were asking about? Uh, Wulong bowing a little bit. I'm I'm wondering if predictability is my own. Okay, so the situation: something happens, and oh, that was so predictable. That's how she would. She always responds. Is is that predictability my adding? What's the what's adding is you named it, you called it, you evaluated it, and you you saw it, and you instead of just receiving what happened, you stuck a name on it, which which tends to it's like shrink wrapping it, the thing. So you now it's it's preserved for another three weeks, three months, three years. But do nothing with it. Whatever arises, don't accept it, don't reject it. Don't distract yourself from it or look away. It takes a while to do it. It takes years to do this. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. Well, I'm bowing. Um, so something that happens repeatedly in the relationship, let's just say yes. whatever, a bill gets doesn't get paid every month, the same thing. How do you see the bill not getting paid by that person as new, something you don't know. <laughs> hmm. You may not. I mean, I, I, you may not, but that's also about awareness is noticing that, that it, it looks, looks like it's a repetition of something. But you don't have to go into it and label it necessarily and name it. It would, it would be keep it as simple as possible and whatever shows up, don't add. And if you do add, then just watch, just notice that you're, at, that you're adding or you're changing, you're modifying something that has a radical nature of showing up. Nothing happens twice. I don't believe anything I'm saying. You could consider it. Thank you. Thank you. Any further questions? There's a question in the chat box. I think you pronounce his name uh, Ivan, Ivan? Ivan. Ivan. Ivan Bowing. How does difficulty with another reflect on our own self? Well, it can be quite complicated and it's, uh, and the, the, the causes and conditions and the sources of that are untraceable. All you have to work with is what appears and what appears if you train your mind you to see what is, is happening and you work with uh, the, the structure we have as the Buddha, the Dharma, and Sangha, the teacher, the teaching, and the community, then, and you're doing that regularly and you're watching uh, what shows up, uh, then you notice your tendency to want to stop it with your idea, your opinion, your, your conclusion about it. And so, and it seems very innocent, but of course we're, but we're, we're buying into the thoughts about it. We're, we're, we're not actually meeting what is showing up. We're meeting 
we're quickly laminating it with some kind of protective coating so that we just, we're still meeting our own mind. We're just meeting a projection of our own mind. So the two ways I like to say this, and I'm going to say it now, is you're either, you're either seeing yourself in the form of your relative self, the crazy self, the, the, mind, the self that's trying to control, trying to get ahead, trying to avoid the, the first noble truth of suffering by covering it up, disguising it, changing it, fixating on some kind of a temporary uh, rest area. And then if you, if you don't do that and you train your mind, you see what this is, you're still seeing yourself, except you're not seeing your relative self. You're seeing your true nature, ultimate nature, which is not separate from anything. And it's nothing, uh, nothing special. It's, uh, it's ordinary because the, the dynamic that is happening there is just happening through these six sense fields, uh, objects, sight, smell, taste, tongue, body, mind, just receiving. It's very, very simple. It's very still, some movement, but not a lot. But then if, if you see that, then there's no, uh, things have changed in some way, but then they've not changed at all because you're still just on receive. Except instead of receiving your projections, uh, you're receiving uh, your true nature, which you, you're not separate from in the first place. Some people can hear this and this won't make, won't be helpful. They will go a different direction. They should, but you should, if this, if this is resonating with you in some way, then hang around. If you need to go another direction, then go in another direction. Because I, I don't have any proof of anything. Proof is uh, uh, cheap, you could say. The proof is, is what you're going to see if you continue to look at your mind stream. Just look, just watch what moves in the mind. Watch the movement in the mind. You combine. Yeah. You say, mind your own business and uh, look at your own clarity before you inter interfere with others. How is that? Um, my question is how I can have the, the motivation, aspiration to, to be myself, to help others? Yeah, excellent question, Young. Just... Just persist, just persist. You're, you're a young woman, just persist. Meditate every day if you can, and uh, continue, continue to relate with this Sangha or with this teaching or with this teacher, that's up to you. I'm not here to convince you of anything. If this is workable for you, then continue to do that. And then that particular sincerity that you're already expressing, the, there's a sincerity, a desire to see what this is for yourself. And I'm all about helping you. I don't need Followers, I don't need members. Uh, I don't need much of anything. Well, I do need Uno. But so what I'm saying is just the way I, I met you several months ago. I don't know how long ago it was, uh, but quite a while. And I've, I've never seen anything. And it's not a compliment. I'm not complimenting you. I'm just saying I've never seen anything come this direction from you in terms of a question other than complete sincerity. That goes a long way. It, it's, not, it's not the goal, but it's certainly part of the path. Strong intention, practice, return to the wall, return to the Buddha, return to the Dharma, return to the Sun, return to the teacher, return to the teaching, return to the community, over and over and over again. I did that myself for 
over 35 years until I found myself doing this, functioning as a Dharma teacher. And, and that just used that word for convenience. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't need to know. <clears throat> Thank you. I have well, another question. Go ahead, please. I asked earlier, what's the purpose of, um, of practice? And you, you said that life is suffering. And also you mentioned that uh, to help others as one of the things in the Lao. Yes. My question is, does this carry on beyond this life? Uh, <laughs> there, isn't um, anything, there isn't anything but this life. Whether you're alive or whether you're not alive, you're in a body, out of a body, nothing changes. Change changes, but that's the only thing that changes. Who you are doesn't change. That's an illusion. Uh, and I say, well, can I prove that? Or can, how do I show? I don't know. I, I teach out of what I see, not out of what I know. I don't know a damn thing. When I say I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm saying, of course. I know the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, and, the, and all of the structures, the provisional teachings. I studied them for decades and was confused a lot. And I just kept, because of my dedication, basically, to my, to my teacher. Hard to dedicate yourself to the Sangha because they're uh, not so easy. But even the teacher isn't particularly easy. But we need to have... We need to have someone uh, be straight with us and be genuine with us who, who wants nothing from us, who doesn't need anything, doesn't need your money, doesn't need your support, doesn't need your belief, doesn't need your dedication, that needs nothing. You need it. I needed to do that with my, with Trungpa Rinpoche and with Kobanchina Roshi, one right after another. Whether this makes any sense to you, uh, that would be up to you, but you're sincere. If, if this is not your teacher, then maybe somebody else will be. Somebody else will be your sangha. Somebody else will be, but you, you have enough sincerity to that you'll find your true path. Um, the reason I don't understand is you, all, you, you mentioned that here we are again, we met before, and I don't want to sound like woo-woo, but what I mean is the purpose to practice for me is, is beyond my suffering, like physical on this, on this lifetime. So is that one of the reasons the, I don't know how to describe, like, you know, if I don't practice now, it's going to go again, again, just the circular. So that's, I think that's why I asked the question. Well, you know, you know there's, no, there's no guarantee. I mean, uh, I, I'm right now I'm talking to the Buddha. So I, I'm just trying to respond to your question the best I can, but I don't see anything but the Buddha. It's not some kind of fancy feeling I have where everybody looks like they're gold-plated. It's just that I see I see it. I, and I'm not separate from you. You're not separate from me. We're not separate from, separated, yes, all over the place. And we've been separated for uh, eons. Here we are again, trying to understand this in this particular thing, which is very unusual. In other words, trying to find what is fundamentally important and true. And we, we stumbled in the teachings of the Buddha and, and I, uh, that, that, as far as I'm concerned, that's a, a true spiritual path. It doesn't lead to believing in a deity particularly or some 
creator. Thank you. Yeah, Sally. Is that Sally? Sally Bowing. <clears throat> when um, you asked me about who my teacher is, I answered quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, I have many teachers. I don't just have one teacher. And they don't necessarily all believe the same way. Um, so I just want to ask, you had mentioned earlier that everyone is our teacher, but I wondered um, what, what you think of that or what you feel about that or if well, that is. I understand you, but just give me a direct question. That way I don't, okay. I, it could be, it's too, I can't do conversational. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would do that. Um, Yes, Sally Bowing. Um, I have many teachers and they are all very important to me. And um, you are as much a teacher, my teacher, as anyone is. Is that acceptable to you that you are my teacher as well as other teachers? It needs to be acceptable to you. It doesn't make any difference what I think about it. Okay. Do, Thank if, you. Yeah. Thank you. Any any other questions? Don Bowie. Don. Um, in all of my previous intimate relationships, there's been a lot of control and possession have, have yeah. come up that seems to have been directed towards me. Yeah. Um, if I am to look at that as a mirror what is it that I'm trying to control and possess in my own mind stream? Yeah. We just we just want control. It gives us a sense of temporary sense of safety. So, and we all, it's not like you get away from that. You know, that may, depending on the karma that brought you into this mind stream, life stream in the, in the first place, that may recede, it may show up, make it, uh, make it stronger, make it weaker. It's, it's a relative situation, it's dependent excuse me, on everything else. So rather than go in and say, what is it? Just, just notice that it comes and goes. It can't, if you, if you do anything with it, it tends to persist. If we push on it, it tends to persist. If we explain it and justify it and go into the concepts around it, it tends to persist. And even if we distract ourselves or ignore it, but if we just watch what comes and goes, and you'll notice if you do that, it tends to have all different kinds of colors and values and textures. It's really hard to do. <laughs> but look what you just said. You just said that you're doing that. You can't, you can't make that comment. That's really hard to do. Yes, it is hard to do. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Just, just that you're, it's hard to do. This is a, that, that, that tells you quite a bit that you're actually doing that. Further question anywhere before we, yes. Question from Casper. Casper. How can we find stillness and silence during our normal everyday lives as opposed to just during sitting and shortly thereafter? So, so not, not knowing you, uh, you know, might, there might be variables there that we could talk about, but I would say uh, just look at the racket. Look at the noise, look at the movement. And, and the best place to train yourself to do that is on the cushion, sit down, hold still, sit in a symmetrical posture, 
all the senses on receive and receive all the stuff that's coming and going. Receive it. Do a lot of it. So then when you get off the cushion, just to talk about it relatively, you your awareness is very, very sharp and you're able to, to receive things without particularly being uh, magnetized into judging or evaluating or interpreting or naming all that. You can be more direct, directly perceive what is moving by practicing. Uh, sit down and watch what moves in the mind stream. So there's not going to be, because this is a spiritual path, not a mundane path, there's not going to be some kind of a protocol to help you. At least I'm not going to teach it. I mean, some people will teach you how to have a meditation where you don't fall asleep. I think that's a misunderstanding. You should fall asleep. If you're sitting there and you start to fall asleep, why would you want to stay awake? What's, you know, when I say why, I'm saying, don't worry about that. Well, if you fall asleep and hit the wall with your head, it'll only happen once. You'll sit back up. You'll be... Did that happen to you? Oh, <laughs> happens to everybody. I was just afraid of it. Huh? No, but I've always been afraid of it. Yeah, being afraid of it is, you know what that is, don't you? That's fear. <laughs> fear of the wall. So what? I'm not going to go overboard and say you shouldn't try to stay awake. Of course, it's to sit up. And, uh, and I, the other thing I would say is if you feel sleepy, go take a nap. <laughs> Take a nap. <laughs> so it's not necessary to muscle through and just, you know, relate to your body, however, however that, whatever's happening with that. It seems to be more important to relate to the body than try to have some kind of macho thing where you hold still and you stay there no matter what. That doesn't mean, you know, set up a situation where the way I talk about it for a, to do block sitting where you sit down, strike a bell, sit there for four hours. But you also may have to get up and move around a little bit. But the original intention is to stay there four hours. If you continue to do that, eventually you find that you can actually just sit there for four hours. You're not so magnetized by uh, having a break because you realize that it's not a, a chain. It's not a prison. It's something you're agreeing to do. Strike the bell. Four hours later, strike the bell again. In that time, watch what moves. It may be your body. maybe your mind. It's a, it might have to do a, quite a bit of it. But it seems like a better way than trying to maintain it no matter what or have some kind of a, which I often say is a, a macho thing, because that's where it comes from, the macho meditation traditions, which are all over the place in past centuries. And, you know, probably needed to be there just because of the nature of the culture back then. I probably couldn't do it any other way. But we don't have to do that. The reason I keep asking her is she, she told me she was going to ask me several questions. But you liar. <laughs> no, she she's honest. She did forget what they were. Any any final questions? Or we can I can just keep saying any final questions all night long. Kevin Bowing. Well, I don't know if I want you to ask a question, Kevin. Okay, I I'm going to take a nap. No. <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. You can ask a question. Um, I've often heard you say that if you experience doubt about somebody, that's not your teacher. But as somebody who experiences doubt all the time, and I consider you my teacher, how do I work with doubt in relationship bowing? Well, I doubt that. 
I just say, you know, doubt for you, doubt for um, Wulong or doubt for Sally or anyone else is going to show up differently. So I would say what I'm trying to do by saying, if you have doubts about a person, they're not your teacher. I'm not saying that, that maybe they are, maybe I'm not, I'm just giving you some kind of uh, understanding or uh, recommendation on how it looks to me. Um, so, you know, you may need to work with it as it is rather than some kind of have some kind of ideal situation where I found my teacher. You and I have been known each other for, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years, something like that. So, and, and everyone is different. Some people, I meet them right away in there. They, when they just want to be a student of mine and that's what happens and I meet them where they're at. But in your, in our situation, this has taken a long time for you to slowly see over time that perhaps, you know, in spite of all the doubts, maybe I am your teacher, but you don't have to get rid of the doubts. You just have to see what they are and look at what, what's occurred. You've had doubts for many years. Didn't, you know, they didn't go away necessarily, but you didn't actually, uh, the way they showed up for you is weren't enough to take you in a different direction, particularly. I mean, I'm not saying you haven't had other meditation teachers and you even teach meditation. So everyone is so incredibly different from, from other people. So there's no, no right or wrong way to do any of this. In ancient times, it would, it was more cut and dried. You had to do this. You had to do that. You had to, we don't have to do that. We can, we can meet everything as it is. Further question, uh, Kevin? Uh, no, bowing, thank you. When you? I do have a question. When you're bowing. Go ahead. Are you a jealous teacher? Yeah. I mean, am I jealous of other people? Uh, if somebody else, uh, a student of mine going and studying under somebody else? Yeah, somewhat. Is that difficult for you? Nah, I just notice it. But also uh, what overrides the jealousy that shows up is, is uh, about really being concerned about what that person needs to do. And even though I, it doesn't show up as a jealousy like, oh, gee, I wish they'd be a student of mine. It's just that I've been, might've been working with somebody for, uh, three months, six months, or a year, and they just go in another direction. If they come and tell me, then we can say goodbye. Then it doesn't show up. But if they just go somewhere else, then I keep thinking about them. I just told someone that today who asked me to function as their teacher. And I said, if you de decide to go another direction, come and tell me about it. Let's talk about it. And I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to try to talk about it, but go do whatever you want to do. But it's good to have some communication about it. So further? Do I seem jealous to you? Do you pick up on that on jealousy? Sometimes. Yeah. Who am I jealous of? The Buddha. Darn Buddha. Any comment on that? No, I I just flashed on the scenario from several years ago when someone came here to do uh, train with you for prison work. And oh. their teacher finally said, nah. Oh, yeah. No, I think that was uh, that was well done. Uh, that person, that person, uh, I, I respected that teacher, and that teacher, I think, respected me. Uh, as soon as he said to her, "You can't study with me and with that other person," um, I tend to agree with that. You need one teacher at a time. But I also like Sally. I'm not going to disagree with Sally. Sally's doing what she needs to do. I, I don't. 
she didn't I'm, I'll help her where she's at but with uh, that person you're talking about from from uh, New Jersey it's been what 10 years ago 10 12 years ago uh, she came and says I just my teacher said um, even though I tr trained her to do prison work and so on and uh, you know we had quite a good relationship I thought and she uh, she was a she was a student when she was here but I also knew she had a, another teacher that she called her guru and um, and she, at some point, I think he kind of had enough of hearing about me from her, would be my <laughs> speculation. And uh, he um, told her, uh, you know, probably choose or something like that. And she did. And as soon as she said that, I stopped. That's all, all she had to do is be straightforward and tell me that. And I don't think I even responded. I just stopped. No more email, no more anything. As I recall, did I reach out to her at all? Yeah, didn't think so. And I felt kind of sad about it because I really liked her a lot. She was very helpful. She came and um, she's, when I say helpful, she was, uh, she came and actually fundraised and got, I don't know, 35 or 40 Zafus to take into prisons and Michigan state prisons to, to donate. She was quite a strong song member from the point of view of, you know, su supportive and cooperative and so on. But she did exactly what she needed to do. Uh, if she had come this direction and said she left her teacher to be with me, I would be suspect of that. I would say you need to go back and and talk to him about it and get get permission from him to come this way. So, and those of you who have come this way from a teacher, you probably see that I I want you to talk to that person and make sure that that's a, a, that's where you have a some kind of completion with that teacher. Yes, Sally. Sally Bowing. This is a practical question. Um, I live in Canada, and there's no way I can get health insurance to go to the United States. Yeah. Um, do you have similar monasteries here? I know Pema has one, and I adore Pema, but uh, um, she. I don't think she does um, the Zen practice. No, she doesn't. She's a, she's a student of Trungpa Rinpoche, and she's very famous and, and is all over the place. And I think she's a good teacher. But are there other monasteries in Canada that are similar to yours? Because, you know, I well, obviously can't come to the U.S. There might be other monasteries, other Zen monasteries that I haven't done any research. Okay. I imagine there are. They're all over the place. But there's no monastery like this one that I know of. Most monasteries are much more strict. Uh, you can't you can't talk in the zendo and and you have to do functional speech and and uh, lots of other really intense zen uh, kind of macho kind of forms not wrong it's fine to do that but that's they're more traditional this is not particularly a traditional monastery but it is a monastery mm -hmm. sally bowing thank you you're welcome thank you for the question are we ready to Fade off into the wild blue yonder. Okay, then we'll dedicate the merit. Thank you so much. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. She's so good, so
the ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna, Paramita. Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery. Our Sangha families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.